Hello, pros, and welcome to the Profile Podcast presented by LL Flooring. I'm Tom Kreitler, and on this show, we interview successful professionals working in the home building and remodeling industry, and we hope that also describes you. We hope you're out there having a good day, you're staying busy, you're completing projects, you're getting paid on time. But if you're not having a good day, if the materials didn't show up, if your client keeps asking for more change orders or the dozens of other things that can stall a job, we say count your blessings because somewhere, and probably very close to your neighborhood, there are those that struggle greatly just to get by. And that's why today I'm delighted to feature Gina and Vincent Santoro, a husband and wife team who ran a successful construction business and discovered people in their own backyard who were struggling with disabilities, financial hardships, and everyday tasks that most of us take for granted. They believe that by transforming someone's home, you can transform their lives, but they don't just say it, they live it. They're the founders of Rescuing Families, an organization dedicated to transforming people's homes into happy, safe, and comfortable spaces. Vincent and Gina Santoro, welcome to the Profiles Podcast. How are you guys doing today? Good, good. Everything's really great. Thanks for having us. Hey, so um, tell me how you guys got started in the home improvement business. Were you both always handy? Did uh, one of the other marry into this? How did, how did it happen? <laughs> Go for it. Oh, so um, I was always handy. Vinny was actually the carpenter. We bought a beat-up, horrible house, probably the worst house on the block, and that's kind of how we got into it. We started renovating our own home, and then Vinny said, let's start a contracting business. You know, and basically that's how it went. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Gina was uh, she was an extremely uh, quick learner, and uh, you know, you know, having having your partner in a relationship and then bringing you on to a renovation, and and it all worked out uh, greatly. There was no arguing going on; it, it worked out smoothly. So we said, you know what, let's take this a little bit further, and uh, you know, let's let's uh, let's get out in the community and see if we can do this for a living. And it really, uh, honestly, people love having a husband and wife team come to their house, and it really took off from there. So you uh, you guys started by basically fixing up your very own money pit, it sounds like. Exactly. It was an extremely, <laughs> extremely, extremely money pit, yes. It was, like, overwhelming as much as it could have been. It was uh, stressful at times. But, you know, we got we got through it, and, and, and the money pit continues. We're, we're still going at it. We're still not completed. <laughs> now, yeah, well, the, a job like that is never done, right? It's, there's always a project. You know, I, I got a, a house that was built in 1886, and uh, I look forward to the weekends because it's my therapy, you know? <laughs> I used to I used to do it during the week, and then that was work. But now it's therapy because it's on the weekends. <laughs> Once you guys started in the business, what kinds of projects did you specialize in? It sounded like uh, you started by tackling everything under the sun with your own house, and now you actually got to do it as a job. And uh, maybe it might have been a little bit enjoyable when you were fixing up your own house. But now you got some responsibilities. You got to make sure this place works out right for the customer. So, we, you know, we started off, I would say, honestly, we started off small. We started, do, you know, small painting jobs which turned into, you know, doing detailed type of molding, more fine carpentry jobs. And then we went into, you know, bathrooms and kitchens, and then we were doing basements. And then after that, it kind of took off. We were, at that point, we started doing more framing. So we got into extensions. And, and, and then, you know, honestly, it took off from there. 
So we started off small, but it, it escalated very, very quickly to larger projects. Gina, did you find that um, your customers sort of guided your business growth? Because I think a lot of times folks do start off small, doing smaller kinds of projects like you mentioned. But then, you know, once the customer relationship is formed, they don't want to have to go find another contractor. And, you know, if they want to have uh, some kitchen cabinets hung or a new floor put in and they say, hey, can you guys do this? And you go, sure, why not? And all of a sudden you're in the kitchen business or the floor business or you're doing additions. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's exactly how it happened. Still have the same customers 15 years later that still call us for everything under the sun. And then, of course, they like our work, so they refer us to their friends, family, neighbors. So we have been very fortunate in the 15 years that we're in business that we've never had to actually advertise. And we've done quite well just from word of mouth, which I think is a testament to what we do and what we bring. That's fantastic. So you had a lot of business success, uh, and now you've taken uh, a turn in a new direction. I won't say it's brand new because you've been doing this for quite a while with your charity, Rescuing Families. And uh, I understand you're spending now about 90% of your time doing the charity renovation. So uh, more like from success in business to success for the soul, it sounds like. Tell me about the charity and how did you guys get started with that? So it's going gonna, it's gonna to sound funny, but we, we, were, we were in bed we were at night and Vinny turned to me and said, listen, I have an idea, and, uh, which was normal for him. And he said, you know, we see so many things. <laughs> so everything starts in our lives. Vinny has an idea. I just take it and run with it. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, Vinny starts with, I have an idea, and then you brace for it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, lay it like, on oh, me. Oh, God, how I'm much ready. work is this going to be for me? Right. <laughs> so we've seen our own families struggle uh, with disability because we, we renovate the homes of families with disabilities. And we have seen our own customers, some that might not be financially sound, some that have a disabled family member, things like that, that were kind of struggling. And we would always throw things in for free. You know, if someone needed something done, we would just just do it for them if we, you know, but it got to the point where financially we said, you know, we can't keep shouldering every uh, every freebie that we give. So why don't we mm, start to think about starting a, some sort of charity uh, so we can actually help these people and have other people jump on board with us and help families just like ours and just like the families that some of the families that we were working with. So I was all on board for that one. That idea wasn't so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Vinny, um, how did you guys, what was your, tell me about your first project. How did you do it? How did you find uh, the, uh, the clients? What was the need? And uh, just tell me about that first one, because I'm sure that always stands out. Honestly, our, our very first project it stands out tremendously. Uh, we put a feeler out there, uh, you know, social media-wise, and we obviously, you know, you, you put something out there like that, you get hundreds of applications. But, you know, Gina and I went through them, and we had this, particularly this one family, and, and, they, and, they, sent these, and they sent these pictures to us that were just like, they just kind of blew our mind. Uh, we just couldn't understand how, how they were even living like this. They had no electric, uh, no water uh, for about 15 years living like that. Uh, and one of them is, was severely uh, handicapped, uh, occupied, you know, bedridden, living in these conditions with uh, no heat, uh, just bundled up in his bed, uh, you know, curled up and, and just trying to survive. Um, and and wow. we went there. We truly, it just, the pictures don't even really, can't even really describe until you really go there in person to see 
how this family was living. And, 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 and the worst part, this family was only living maybe, you know, 20 minutes from where we live. Uh, so it, it yeah. isn't, you know, that far away. It's happening right in our community. So once we did a site visit, we, I think Gina and I personally have never seen anything like this in our lives. We've never seen how someone could live like this. So for us, this project was like, they went right to the top of the list. They were our number one uh, family that needed help right away. It was like, there was no time to wait for this family. Uh, we were, we, we, we met them. It was, I think it was January or so. It was, you know, 34 degrees in the house. I mean, I mean, it was just unimaginable. So that wow. was our first project. And, you know, originally my plan was to start small. We were a brand new charity. I, I said, maybe we'll start with a handicapped bathroom for an elderly woman. Let's start something right. small. Make a ramp. But we, <laughs> yeah. Let's, you know, <laughs> I had this, this idea. I just wanted to take it slow. Uh, but with right. Gina, there's no taking things slow. I, I, I'm getting the sense that, I'm getting the sense, Gina, that you said, okay, now, now, get out of the way. I got work to do here <laughs> and took it over. You know, I guess from one, on one side, you're, you're looking at the situation. You're going, how is this possible? It's 20 minutes from your house. And then probably uh, at the same time, you're thinking, what the heck did we just get ourselves into? It must've been pretty overwhelming, a little scary at times. Yeah. It was, yeah. Uh, I, I, Gina, go ahead. I mean, I was, I was scared. Yes, definitely was. I, I'd, I'd like to say, yeah, I was a little, I was a little scared. I, I was scared were we going to be able to accomplish this? You know, I, I was scared about that. And not so much from the contractor role. There were so many other variables there. Like, we're used to going in and fixing people's homes. That's kind of a no-brainer. But now you're dealing much, much more with the human level. You're right. dealing with a lot of, you know, there's just a lot of things going on. You're dealing with the financial level. You know, this is a small charity we just started. We're looking at you know, over $100,000 worth of work that needed to be done here. Are we going to be able to raise the money? How much of this is going to be on us? So there was a right. certain level of stress there financially, and there was a, a tremendous amount of pressure to to help these two brothers that we were working with, a tremendous amount of pressure. But ultimately, it worked out with with everything that went on. I mean, there was there's ups and downs and everything, but with everything that went on, it, it worked out beautifully. And, you know, they wound up with a beautiful home. So we renovated the entire house inside and out. Landscaping, driveway, siding, roofing, everything you can imagine. All new appliances. Everything inside was brand new. Our volunteers were amazed. Some of them were able to come out and, and help us. Some of them helped in a different way. They were amazed. The family themselves were completely shocked by everything. There was a lot of crying, good tears. I think... Like with anything else, there was trust issues because they're not allowed to see the home while we're working on it. Ah, okay. So mm -hmm. they don't know what we're doing. So you had to find a place for them to live while the work was going on? Is that typical with your clients? Yes. Yeah. So that's one of the biggest things uh, for our charity is, is that that's financial is finding them, you know, paying for a hotel cost. That takes a big chunk. Not only, say, the $100,000 renovation that we're doing, now we have them in a hotel for for three to six months, which is costing, you know, tremendous amount of money. But that's why we, you know, we do what we do. And with the fundraising to try to get funds uh, for those needs, and we handle a lot on our own. Obviously, all the contracting is taken care of. Our labor is free, but the hotels and stuff like that, that all comes out of the charity. And that's a, that's a big part of it. That's a big struggle for us is, is housing wow. them, believe it or not. A lot of them, they, a lot of these families that are disabled like this, they're, they're really on their own. They don't, a lot of them don't have family members or families that would be able to take them in necessarily. 
So they're right. really they're disabled yeah. and they're out there on their own. So that's that's one right. of the biggest challenges we face is putting them in there uh, another uh, location that's safe and that's accessible, which is a hard thing to find as well. You know, we're talking about the renovation. We're also talking about the financial hardships. I guess in addition to being experts in in uh, construction. Did you have to familiarize yourself with all the social service programs to kind of do almost an audit of, of what your clients were receiving and what they may have been ent- entitled to just to make sure that every box was checked and they were getting the benefits that were out there? So that's where I kind of come in because, um, because my sister is multiply disabled and my dad was a disabled Korean War veteran. I was very familiar with all the services that they're entitled to. So we not just renovate the home, we make sure that they're able to be okay and take care of their home financially and they're getting the services that they need. Again, it's red tape. You know, there are times I'm sitting at the job site and I'm on the phone with social workers and the state and or the Veterans Administration or all these different organizations to try to get them help. It's a huge part of what we do. It's not just, like you said, it's not just the construction end. You know, we want them to be able to stay in their home you know, and thrive, not just survive like they've been doing. So by doing that, it enables them to get more familiar with what they are entitled to. We're talking to Gina and Vinny Santoro. They are two of the founders of Rescuing Families, a charity aimed at assisting struggling homeowners with disabilities or financial hardships with home rehab or modification. Now, uh, we talked about your first project. It's five years have gone by now. Uh, You've done a lot more since then. Um, have you found the the fundraising and the work uh, to become a little easier over the time? Have you gotten better at this? I know that I'm sure that the pandemic placed some unusual challenges on you. Where are you, where are you today with the projects? So we had our second project, which was about uh, almost a year after the first project. As far as, as fundraising and, and getting more backing, as we are growing, after that first project, we had we had a lot of media coverage on that. So it really brought, you know, brought awareness out there to people. And we really got a, a stronger backing um, after that first project. Uh, so now we're on, you know, our second and third and moving on to our fourth projects. It's becoming a lot easier. We're having a, a bigger volunteer force come out. So we are able to accomplish these projects a little quicker. Uh, in the beginning for that first project, it was myself, Tina, and Michael, my, my brother-in-law, and, and the other founder of the charity, Roger. That was mostly who did that whole project, but it did take us a year to complete that first project, which was a very long time uh, for a home renovation. Now we're moving along a lot quicker. We have the volunteers. So things are getting easier. Obviously, we got shut down with the pandemic. We get our efforts to other things during that time since we weren't able to you know, necessarily help the families with renovations, but we were able to help the disabled families with masks and hand sanitizer and other things that they needed. Uh, during that pandemic. So we kind of shifted gears a little bit. But now that things are easing up a little bit, we're back full force again doing the renovations. Well, you know, I, you deserve to be commended for, for all the work you do. But I noticed in particular that you were able to distribute over 10,000 N95 masks, as well as face shields and gloves, handmade mask sanitizer. So you guys really kicked it in a full gear when the <laughs> pandemic hit. That's amazing. Yeah, we did. We um we wound up shipping, believe it or not, not just we didn't just help our local area. We wound up shipping stuff as far as uh Hawaii. Wow. Uh, they got wind of what we were doing and we we have we had companies and from all over the world helping us get the items, the masks, the gloves, the face shields. We had a local guy 
um, over here in, on Long Island that was manufacturing face shields, and he was getting them to us so that we could hand them out. You know, so it was such an amazing collective effort to get this, you know, this feat, because it was a major feat accomplished. It was no small task. If we all think back to the early days of the pandemic, you know, trying to find N95 masks was like gold. I, I, I'll tell you myself, I had a package of, uh, of the 3M uh, mask with the vents on them on, on my shelf in my workshop probably for two or three years because I had no need for it, you know, at the time. And it turned out that those two or three masks got us through most of the pandemic. We were very careful, you know, take care of them and, you know, clean them and, uh, you know, yeah. not stretch out the elastic. You know, we were all really careful with this stuff because it was hard to, get, hard to get new ones. Well, that's really impressive and really amazing. So let's talk a little bit about how you balance the charity work with your contracting business. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are thinking, that's great, but how do you survive? How do you make a living? That's got to be one of the toughest balancing points. Vince? Yeah, you know what? That's a good point you bring up. That is one of the biggest challenges we do face because, uh, you know, we have to uh, survive and maintain and and be able to help these families, but we also got to help our own family as well during this whole process. So, like, instead of taking on our contracting business, started taking on the larger projects, we progressed to the larger projects, but now we've actually trimmed it back down where we're taking on maybe like the projects we started off in the very beginning, maybe the painting and the fine carpentry work and smaller projects just to make ends meet just so we survive and so we can continue helping others. So we don't take on those large projects anymore that are going to keep us away from the charity for, for weeks at end. Uh, that was one of, the, one of the biggest changes that we made. And, you know, it's working out as, of, as so far it's been working out great. So the smaller projects are probably a little more modular. They're easier to fit in, you know, over a, a shorter period of time than having to commit to, uh, you know, tearing somebody's roof off and, and needing to get it all wrapped up as quickly as possible, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely. So tell me about your sponsors. You've obviously needed to have uh, a lot of help with this. I know that you've got tremendous media coverage. There's dozens of uh, glowing articles and uh, news stories and videos on your website. So well done on that. But uh, how have the sponsors reacted? How have they supported you guys? Our sponsors, I have to say, are some of the best people and the best companies that we've ever met. Most of the companies are products that we've already used through our contracting business. So it was kind of a no-brainer. We just approached them and said, hey, guys, uh, this is our idea. This is what we're doing. This is something your, you know, your company might be interested in getting involved in. And that's kind of how it started. Basically, just a verbal agreement, word of mouth, getting some products. And it has ballooned and grown from there. We, we probably, our first project, we started with, um, I want to say, 15, 15 companies on board for that project. To date, right now, as of today, and it's still growing. For this project that we're on now and the, the three more that we're doing this year, we have close to 70 companies on board. I see you have a good combination of national brands like LL Flooring as well as smaller local companies that are supporting you. It's just wonderful that you were able to pull this kind of support together for the families that uh, you've been working with. Um, we talked about your first project. I want to ask you about your current project because I understand it's been a pretty big challenge for you. I'm interested to know if it's the same one that this Herald article talked about where you had an infestation of mice and mildew in the bathroom. The floors were busting apart. The deck was leaking and you found out that the walls were rotted when you tore it open. What a nightmare. Is that what you're working on now? 
that project that you're you're talking about is our current project. Yes, it is. Wow. wow. That, that this project, you know, started off, you know, when we went for a site visit, we knew we were making the uh, kitchen handicap accessible, bathroom accessible as well. Her flooring was, was coming up. She had old parquet flooring that was uh, glued down over a slab, which she was getting moisture coming up through the slab. So that was rotting the whole floor out. We knew we had some issues there. Further going through this renovation, when we we, we got up to the windows, we take the siding down. As soon as we uh, removed that siding on the house, we both looked at each other and we said, oh, boy, this house is in really bad shape. This is like this just added, you know, weeks to months to this project. Wow. Wherever there was a window, all the sheathing, all the structure, every wall that there was a window was completely rotted with termites and mold and mildew and totally rotted. And barely, you know, we uh, you couldn't even put a hand to the lumber. You couldn't even touch this lumber. It was just crumbling in your hand. It sounds like this house was condemned and didn't know it. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's the worst part. Yeah. <laughs> And all the time you've got, this house has two disabled family members, a mom and a son living in it. So, wow, a lot of pressure on you guys and a really unforeseen circumstance. You know, we we always know that when you open up the walls, you can be surprised. But, man, it sounds like you had a lot of leaks around these exterior windows and doors and let a lot of water in. And, of course, the water gets in, the decay starts, and the termites go, oh, boy, I don't even have to go back to the ground to drink. I can just stay right in this house <laughs> and have a full buffet. We, um, it was also, we, we had one of the biggest surprises we've ever seen in our history of doing in this business. We knew the whole house was on a concrete slab. That's normal for our area. But we went to open up, there was a part of the floor that was like mushy or it wasn't, it just, it was bound, very bouncy, which right. is very odd. We took the plywood off the subfloor and there was nothing under there but dirt. There was no concrete slab. Oh my it was regular two by four lumber built on a on a on a, just a mound of dirt. So somebody just hacked together uh, some two bys, called them floor joists, threw them on the dirt, and went up from there. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Man. And wow. everything from there up was rotted. So now you take it all apart. You got to start with the foundation from there and going up. So, boy, what a can of worms this place turned out to be. I guess that must have, must have put a lot of stress on the project because uh, now. What happened to your budget? It must have doubled or tripled. Blown. That was that's that's yeah. It ballooned to you know becoming probably one of the worst houses that we've had to work on for budget wise. That really looked like probably the nicest, almost the nicest house we've worked on, but actually turning out to be the worst one. Sometimes you just can't envision the problems ahead of time. You just until you're in it. And oh, by the way, there's that whole pandemic thing <laughs> happening at the same oh. time, <laughs> making it even more difficult, right? I mean, you yeah. have to laugh at some point, right? Because you just can't make this stuff up. No, can't. You can't. <laughs> just amazing. The family got COVID two weeks before us. Oh, no. While we were we had started packing them up, oh, they man. got sick. Then we had to everybody quarantined, so we were two weeks behind there. You know, it was just one. It was a comedy of errors, one thing after the other. To get supplies now is just the biggest challenge I think anybody, and we're all going through it in this industry. We have ever faced. We have never seen anything like this. And I see that uh, some of the problems were caused by contractors that had done work in the past, that had done work that was incorrect. They they were unlicensed. They had essentially ripped off of these this homeowner and uh, made the situation not better but worse. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. She, they, the family paid them $34,000 to basically destroy their home. They built oh, uh, wow. the, that addition, yeah, the addition with the, the dirt, dirt floor. Yeah. And then they kept That's asking awful. them for more money because they didn't have enough money for supplies. Yeah, I bet, right? They were probably spending it on the last job. <laughs> Sometimes it's like a pyramid scheme with these guys, right? They 
they borrow from Peter to pay Paul, as the saying goes. Yeah, we've we've seen it a lot. So I got to say, you guys deserve all the credit in the world uh, for the work that that you're doing. It's it's so wonderful to see pros in the business that are talented and experienced and don't have to be doing uh, this charity work to not only do it but start it and maintain it now five years strong. That's really, really amazing. If we um, have folks that want to get involved, want to help out, want to support you, talk to me about how, you, how they get in touch. They can always get in touch with us through our website. It's uh, www.rescuingfamilies.org. They can give us a call at 516-697-9403, or they can always email us at rescuingfamiliesinc at gmail.com. Is there one thing in particular that you guys really need right now? Money. <laughs> we always need, well, I'm going to say, we always need financial backing. It's because of the hotel stay for this family in particular has ballooned because now they've had to stay there longer than expected. So, yeah, financially, we, we're always looking for any type of donation. Well, let's hope that that starts to come in better than ever before. Now that we're out of the pandemic, people are getting out there. And, and I think folks are appreciating what home means more than ever before. Gina, Vincent, thank you so much for all the work you do for all the families uh, in your area. Rescuingfamilies.org is the website, rescuingfamilies.org. Thanks again, and continued good luck with everything you do. Thank, thank you, you so thank much. Thank you very much. You're so welcome.